Project Quantum Leap, the podcast where we leap from three separate timelines to explore a new show and revisit the one that started it all. Hi, I'm Christina, and I've been obsessed with Quantum Leap since the 90s, and I'm thrilled to finally have a new show to look forward to. Along with me is my brother, Andrew. Hello, hello, I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. I've been around and watched many sci-fis. I'm not as uh, necessarily as versed into Quantum Leap as my sister, Christina, um, but I grew up watching it because she always watched it around me, and it kind of left its mark and probably was a very big uh, factor, contributor to my love of all things sci-fi. Uh, and with us also is my fiance, Sydney. Me! I'm here too. Hey! Uh, I'm Sydney. I am the Quantum Leap virgin of the family. I have only seen the first two episodes very recently, thanks to Andrew, who is showing me the light. Um, a lot of you may also, a lot of you, but many of you may have heard my voice before if I sound familiar to you. I'm the host of Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. My background is primarily uh, 80s fantasy um, and also horror. And you're, you know, if you hear me on the internet somewhere, I'm usually talking about puppets. So, um, but, but I'm no stranger to sci-fi. A lot of the time those worlds intersect and the, the Venn diagrams, you know, intersect plenty of times. And today I'm right there in the middle of that Venn diagram with my, uh, love of my life and my future sister-in-law. So I'm, I'm excited to discover, uh, something that's obviously a really big part of pop culture and uh, dive in and, and learn new things about it and also check out this new reboot I guess technically you would call it a reboot right because it's a continuation of the show that already existed so yeah that's I'm, my perspective. I'm curious to see like how much they actually rely on the old show are they only going to borrow the premise just to kind of kick off a whole new sort of thing I know in some of the press releases, they actually do mention Sam Beckett's name. Like, it's been 30 years since Sam Beckett, blah, blah, blah. And now they're going to yeah. restart this, um, the Quantum Leap Accelerator. And I'm wondering, is that just going to be a kickoff point? Are we going to get more info about what's happened over the last 30 years? Are we even going to resolve what happened to Sam? Um, those are all things I'm curious to see. I somehow doubt they'll resolve what happened to Sam. Probably just going to not touch it. Um, but well, you know, it seems to me like like the mystery of it, like the fact that we, the audience, don't know what happened to Sam is also going to be true for the main characters. I imagine that's going to be part of what's driving the plot forward, right, is that mystery. The, the characters in the show, just my conjecture here, probably also don't know what happened and like figuring that out over the course of the plot of this new series. I think that's mm -hmm. a really good idea if that's the direction that they go. Yeah, the, uh, I'm the oh, sorry, the ending of the original series, I, it kind of left me unsatisfied. It's just said, oh, he never returned home. Okay, well, what yeah. happened? Did he die? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Did he I've leap heard. forever until he had a heart attack at some point? <laughs> or did he fail in someone's leap and he, like, was murdered in someone's leap, you know? <laughs> or did he, you know, leap somewhere where he was really happy and just decided, I'm done, I'm going to stay here in this timeline? Well, I, I don't think... Look, that's actually an interesting thing to get into because was it ever his choice to leave? No, it wasn't. It was an unseen power. Okay, right. but if you watched the very last episode... Oh, no, I don't want to spoil Sydney. 
Oh, that's okay. No, I don't think fun. she's ever it's... really going to watch. Okay. No, I probably am. Don't she's say here for that. The I'm sorry. Don't I shouldn't say, say that. that. I might. But listen, I think it's okay to spoil something that's been out for the entire, like, I think it ended, Nine... you know, when I was, what year did it end? Yeah, you were 93? three. Yeah, I think it's valid. You know, that's on me okay. that I'm not up to date <laughs> Although, on it, I think. Spoiler warning for any uh, listeners, I almost said viewers, yeah. <laughs> who who haven't watched Quantum Leap and don't necessarily want to know the end of the show. Yeah, Sam Beckett never makes it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I but, mean, why are you here if that's yeah, the case? What exactly. a but, like, weird the, person you are. The thing is, in the very last episode, when Sam leaps into himself in the bar... And he's talking to the bartender, whose name is Al, but it's not Al. Anyway, uh, the bartender kind of implies that Sam's the one that's been leaping himself. And that he can return home at any time. Oh, like maybe some sort of split consciousness. Yeah, like maybe um, if he just decided he wanted to go home. But I think, um, because he did, he said, look in the mirror. You're the one that's doing it. So yeah, I think it's kind of like. Yeah, he says he wants to go home, but subconsciously he's like, I can still save all these people. I mean... So it's a mission. Yeah. Yeah. But they made a point to tell the audience he never made it home, right? Like, it did not happen conclusively. So, I mean, how depressing is that? Like, It's super depressing. (laughs) As as Christina already said. Like... like, (laughs) That sucked. <laughs> it's such a, a final sentence, though, yeah. too. Like, it's not leaving open the possibility for anything for any continuation again. whatsoever. Like, it's very much like now, it never happened. Yeah. I think it I over read it. <laughs> that the creator did that on purpose. Yes. And we're just completely ignoring his wishes now by continuing Well, no, the because, right? I mean, maybe. I, we'll have to watch the show and find out. But these aren't Sam Beckett. This is something totally different. And that yeah. goes back to what I'm, I'm saying. I'm wondering how they're going to shoehorn the old series or if they're not. If they're just like, here's a starting point. Forget it all now. It's legacy canon. Like all the other Star Wars stuff yeah. that Disney just shot out them. Yeah, so <laughs> I just think it'd be cool if it turned out that a huge part of the, the actual plot, like the driving story, is sort of the character's discovering that like piecing together that mystery and giving us the answer as to what happened because i do find that super intriguing but i'm also not going to put my hopes into that's what they're going to do yeah. so like i don't want to i don't want to be disappointed yeah. if they don't do that i that it would be cool. and i was um like looking into a few theories and there was a theory that his daughter was going to be one of the people but like i don't see her in this new cast i don't so I don't think they're going to use her. I was just kind of hoping there was some kind of relation that would connect that tie-in. But I guess they are doing that with um, the one character who was a person that Sam had leaped into in the past. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, so we're just going to pretend the daughter doesn't exist anymore? So wait, Sam has a daughter? Yes. Um, and he ha- did he have a daughter before he started? No. he Actually, he leaped into someone and conceived <sighs> a child. So it's not actually biologically his no, daughter, it's his. but it is. It is. How? She's what? a super genius, too. So wait. So he leaped into somebody else's body mm-hmm. and did a bangerang. 
and managed to still so this this is pass his DNA. This has been hyper analyzed. Okay, so basically, at the creator has said he explained it like this: if Sam, it's Sam, and it's like the aura of the person that kind of so people see the person that he's supposed to be. If Sam, but his sperm is still there. Yeah. So if Sam leaps into a guy with a broken leg, and we've seen this before, he's leapt into a guy who's blind. He's left in a guy who lost both his legs in a war. Sam doesn't have those disabilities. Like, he leaped into someone, his leg is not broken. If Sam breaks his leg, then Sam's leg is broken. So it's... I. Well, I dig this, right? Because this kind of goes into its sci-fi-ness and that quantum mechanics or quantum physics is wishy-washy. And... As much as we know about quantum physics, we don't know shit about quantum physics and entanglement and all that crap is very weird. So what they could say in all of that is, yes, the physical body that Sam Beckett is in is, you know, Dr. Smith, whatever. It's whichever person he's in. The bad guy from Lost in Space? (laughs) That's Mr. Smith. (laughs) No, that (laughs) that is Dr. Smith. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Oh, Master yeah, Smith right. is the Matrix. Yeah, I was thinking Matrix. But, Shame on you. But in quantum entanglement, his consciousness makes it him. So whatever happens to his consciousness is entangled to him. So I, I can see what they're doing there. There's actually like a scientific sort of like basis for that being the truth. It's okay. complicated. So... So the physical body of the person that he jumps into, his sperm just like is gone. Yeah, because he's in the waiting room, and they actually okay. So he I'm fixating too much on the sperm, but the but this this is just okay. Hit. How do you? How? He he was actually he did a leap where he was a pregnant woman, and when she went into labor in the waiting room, which is where the person he leaps into goes to, they go to the waiting room uh-huh. in the future, like. He oh. went into labor and the baby disappeared from the waiting room to be wait. born. <laughs> okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm so, going so, to have to go watch that episode. That sounds crazy. It was a whack, yeah. oh, it was a whack episode. He had, like, morning sickness and all this stuff. And I was like, you're not pregnant. And he's like, I felt the baby kick. <laughs> so, wait, wait, wait. So, he leaped into the body of a pregnant woman and then wasn't pregnant anymore because he's not pregnant. no. So was she? Um, Al was so he was trying to convince Sam that he was not pregnant, but he kept having like all the symptoms while he was in the body of the, of the pregnant, pregnant lady. Yeah. Okay. And so his consciousness was feeling the effects of. But then, what about the broken leg thing? <laughs> if he doesn't get a broken leg, but he can get Look. a fetus. Quantum physics is wishing. <laughs> it's like God. Okay, so like you remember once upon a time and they're like, these are the rules of magic, and like every episode they broke their own rules. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Mm. And See, I just act- kind of chalked that up to like really like bad writing, but that well that kind of actually gets me into what I'm I what I want to talk about next is Quantum Leap when it was new was groundbreaking in a way that, whereas I don't know if it was the first show to, to, to rely so heavily on these more complex scientific premises like quantum physics, um, but it's definitely the first one I know of. And 
even if it wasn't the first one, it wasn't popular yet. It became popular very quickly after this, whereas the scientific premise in science fiction of these much more complicated physics became prevalent. But now that that has been the case for 30 years, what is this new quantum leap going to do that actually makes it unique as a sci-fi? What are they going to introduce, right? I, um, although quantum physics, like I said, has been popular now for uh, roughly 30 years after quantum leap, I think, popularized it. What most people are going to think about when they think of quantum physics is Avengers movie, right? Ant-Man and the whole, like, quantumness that he goes into. That's what people are going to rely on. But because that's now a thing in all of popular culture or popular science fiction, what could Quantum Leap reboot bring to the table, I wonder? I, I don't know. This is kind of an open-ended question. Yeah. But, like... Our scientific discoveries, what is next in the scientific world that we have yet to see popularized in science fiction that quantum leap could bring? I'm curious I, to see that. I'm gonna just theorize a little bit, like speculate a little that based on the current sort of uh, social climate that we have right now, it does seem to be very much kind of the thing to do to be looking backwards and evaluating the ways in which maybe past media was quote like problematic let's say and while i i'm not gonna i haven't seen enough of the original series obviously that's my role here to say whether or not that was you know uh where the the show was maybe not necessarily political correct politically correct by today's stand uh standards but what if the sort of focus that we're going to be looking at in this new series is the characters leap back in time, go to different eras, and then directly address maybe social issues or socio-political issues that were happening in those respective time periods or parts of pop culture, and then like evaluate them and critique them through the lens of modern day sociopolitics if that makes sense like i could feel it i could i could see it going in that direction like using it sort of the idea of quantum leaping as an excuse to like i don't know go back in time to a 90s sitcom where they were making a homophobic joke and being like hey let's evaluate why that's not okay <laughs> like you know I, I just could see that being a very 2022 thing that we do now. I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying that that's a bad thing, because that, that could be interesting, yeah. that, and it could be really, like, have some important cool things to say if it's if it's written well. Um, I just wonder if maybe that's going to be the direction that they, that they take it in, if that's the sort of the applications we are going to say we can use quantum physics for in this show is like use it to sort of correct social injustice and they did touch on that in they had a few very heavy episodes where they did touch on certain issues like the civil rights movement um mm -hmm. things like that so i could see them definitely doing that again that was a whole other thing i wanted to talk about too is how although the show wasn't necessarily consistently controversial they were not afraid to touch things right i would consider it way more woke as they say now than Air finger quotes yeah i'm using finger quotes 
um, or I should say, essentially just self-aware of, you know, e uh, equality or not equality, than most other shows of that time period. Um, the whole concept of Sam needing to become a person, he basically does the whole trope of walk a mile in their shoes and then make their decision, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that whole show is it was teaching I might not be what it set out to do, but as a very young viewer, you know, I was not even 10 years old um, when this show was on while you were watching it, while I just got it through proximity. I got firsthand experience of watching someone live someone else's life and struggle to even make decisions as them still. Like, we are all different people, and I feel like whether it was intended or not, that was a message this show was giving to younger viewers is we're all different and we all have different struggles and we all struggle on different types of decisions. And that's um, way more than I think any show of the 80s, 90s, even the 2000s could have ever... That's a bigger message than any of those decades have ever really presented. Yeah. Um, in a sci-fi show. Um, now, I do want to say, with the exception of like Star Trek Next Generation, which that was the actual yeah. point of the show to yeah. um, sort of like reflect on the human element of everything. Yeah. Um, but Next Gen was the 90s, right? Yes. Yeah. So even that was, was later. Um, and although not the first, Quantum Leap was doing it first, was still not popular yet. It was not in our political culture to sort of speculate like that at that time. And I, I really, and, um, yeah, touching on on what you said, um, I really liked in Quantum Leap, he did the whole walk a mile in your shoes, and the way they wrote the character was like, he cared about each and every person he came into contact with, whose life he was, you know, taking over for however brief about yeah. a time. Um, yeah. It, it did, it really brought about a human element in a sci-fi series. Yeah, and Star Trek Next Generation is known for that, and here we have a show that's five years before that. Well, TNG technically, I just looked it up, TNG technically started in 1987, so the tail okay. end, so I the do tail take end of back. the 80s. Star Trek is a little, is a little bit older. Um, However, I, I think we know, you know, we can evaluate that over the course of the, the seasons of Next Generation, it definitely explored those topics a lot deeper as it went on. Um, Whereas so, Quantum Leap does kind of jump into it right from, from yeah. the get-go yeah. when he's trying to save a pilot from himself. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'd, it'll, be, it'll be interesting when the new show premieres and we'll have sort of Christina able to evaluate it from the perspective of somebody who's seen the first Everything. chapter and knows it so well. I mean, you know, it's we have that perspective of somebody who's fully aware of the shoes that this is going to be filling. And um, another Oh, sorry. Sorry. And I was to juxtapose that with my evaluating it almost completely raw like just just seeing it for what it is just through my the lens of somebody seeing this show as a standalone thing and whatever background context the show decides to give me 
um, mm. because I deliberately, you know, I don't intend to dive back into the original series until after I've started watching the new one, because I think that makes for interesting like contrast of perspectives the fact that i'll be sort of seeing the new one first and then you know experiencing the original stories um mm -hmm. so it'll be really interesting to see how the show stands up just on its own without that aspect of nostalgia that obviously yeah. christina is coming to the table with oh me too it's a different yeah. level of nostalgia it was something i got pride proximity but i have yeah. still seen most of the show yeah. Um, I know the core of the show and I have that premise. I know Yeah. I know what to expect when I watch Quantum Leap, whereas you do not. And it'll be yeah, like you said, it'll be a good Yeah. Um perspective, all three of us having the different perspectives yeah. that we have, um, watching this new show and how does it stand up to those three varying level of fandoms or yeah. perspectives. Of the fandoms, and I'm, Plus I'm trying. Sorry, I'm trying really hard. Um, go go. Uh, for years, I have wanted more Quantum Leap content because, yeah. like I said, the ending just kind of leaves you hanging. And then mm -hmm. this new show came up, and it's it. I'm all really excited. Everything looks really cool. How they're kind of pitching it, but I yeah. still have that. Am I going to be hypercritical because it's not going to be the Quantum Leap I grew up with? Yeah. Yeah. And. and no matter what they do, it never will be. Right? Exactly. So that's that's going to be a hurdle you have. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, so I guess I want to ask Christina, though, like when you think of this show, if you had to boil it down to just a handful of qualities that this is what makes it Quantum Leap, and I expect another Quantum Leap show to have these qualities – what are those qualities you're looking for? What are what are your expectations or your hopes of like, this is what makes Quantum Leap, Quantum Leap, and this next show better have this. What is that? Um, well, I really liked the dynamic between uh, Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. I think they worked really well together. And I just, I loved both of their characters. And I know we're not going to have another Sam and Al ever. Um, rest in peace, right. Dean Stockwell, by the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that was sort of recentish, wasn't yeah, it? When was last that? Last year, I think. Yep. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. But they did. They were their chemistry was just amazing, and uh, I've always liked those buddy team kind of movies and shows. Okay. Um, so I kind of want to see if they have that same dynamic with these new characters. Okay. Um, another thing, I I really I just lost my thought. Well, actually, can yeah, I interrupt you for a second? Um, as far as, I mean, I don't know, we don't even know, like, if there's really a, a two-buddy system exactly. going on here, right? For all we know, it could be one and three, or it could be a whole team. They might be able to come back after really, for all we know. We, how is this going to go? We don't know. But assuming that there is going to be a buddy system, like a, a, a Sam and Dean. Sam, Sam and Dean. <laughs> <laughs> Sam and Close. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, Sam and Al, will you be satisfied if it's a different sort of but like, like um, okay, let me let me see what I think. Okay, Sam and Dean, actually from Supernatural, they have a, a duo dynamic, right? right? Um, I one of my favorite TV, show, TV shows of all time is Psych. Sean and Gus have a buddy dynamic. Each one of them is different. Are you going to be satisfied if it's not the exact same buddy dynamic, but maybe something new? M maybe there's a different flavor to the buddy dynamic? Oh, yeah. 
that has made it evolved? Or will you be dissatisfied um, if it's not similar enough? No, I think um, as long as they have, because my my biggest thing was Sam and Elle, they were best friends. Mm. I just want to see that. I mean, it was kind of funny because Sam was like this kind of straight-laced guy and Al was this womanizing yeah. you know, guy. And it was just funny to watch them play off each cigar other. Yeah, in cigar hand. in hand. Um, All the time. <laughs> but uh, Well, that's a super classic dynamic. Like, you have the, yeah. the goofy guy and the straight man. Yeah. Um, and Well, even Sam and Dean are that. They're just a different yeah. flavor. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I just think as long as they have, if, if it goes the buddy dynamic route, as long as yeah. they have that bond and I can see the, the actors have that chemistry that I enjoy seeing them work together, I, I'll be fine with that. They don't have to be the exact same characters. I'd actually like something different and new to work with. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. I mean, assuming these <laughs> showrunners are aware of what people like, I mean, buddy dynamics have gone back since the beginning of film, right? Yeah. Like Laurel and Hardy, Abbott and yep. Costello. Mm-hmm. All the way up to, you know, Sam and Al, to the even newer Sam and Dean. Um, buddy dynamics are something that people have always enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like, I I honestly wouldn't be disappointed if it was, like, the exact same dynamic, even though I don't expect right. that. But yeah, I'll be, I'll be happy to see what sort of dynamic does evolve. Because even uh, Sam and Al and Sam and Dean, um, more so with any content I think after like the 70s um, relationships in film media develop right yeah yeah like buddy dynamics in in like the 50s and the 40s it was always the same buddy dynamic like every Laurel and Hardy movie Laurel and Hardy have the same exact dynamic no matter what Um, whereas I think as we are more complex creatures in our fiction now uh, we need more so, yeah. yeah. Well, people also like to see development happen. Overall, and so yeah. we, you and you kind of have that romantic comedy dynamic in a way where like the two characters, you can tell how in love they're going to be by the end by how much they hate each other at the beginning. Like it's, mm-hmm. they annoy the hell out of each other. And like, how could these two from two completely different worlds possibly <laughs> ever work together and see past their differences? So, you know, that's always something that works really well that people always kind of come back to. Um, But also, like, group dynamics are also super popular right now in media. Like, just to use, like, Stranger Things as an example. Um, People are really into, like, (laughs) large ensemble casts also right now. Um, So I wonder if maybe they'll explore that a little bit more. Like, have sort of a, a bigger group as opposed to just a two, like, a back and forth um but between two characters or if there's more of a team that we are that we're seeing it it looks kind of like there is at least because there were other people in the background but you didn't really see them that much and that's that's also something um i would like to see more of too because in the original yeah you saw them you knew they were there sam called their name like them by name he knew who they were Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. al would talk about them but you didn't really see much of the future. It looks like maybe yeah. from some of the pictures, they might do a little bit more exploring on what's going on, you know, in their present Not time. time. Um, yeah. So yeah, we could very well get that team dynamic. Um, I think there was like three or four people over by Ziggy, which is the, mm-hmm. the computer for Sydney. 
Um, Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's the algorithm that predicts all of what Sam maybe needs to do and what his circumstances are. And And she's... It's like Plankton's wife. Yes. And she's very moody. She... Yeah. She has an ego. (laughs) Yeah. I also... Now that you have mentioned Ziggy, I'm also curious to see, like, is Ziggy going to be the same Ziggy? Are they going to just going to... Is Ziggy still going to be running? Or are they going to, like, make a new Ziggy? Are they going to have, like, a, a quantum computer? And that's going to be Ziggy. Or was Ziggy always a quantum um, computer? I don't, she even, was, I don't even know. I, she was always, like, a... I forget... High I tech. forget the word that they used, but she was a supercomputer. Um, they referred to her as a her? Oh, Okay. Here's the thing. At the beginning, they didn't. They referred to her as a he, but when Sam went back into his present time for, like, one episode, she was definitely a girl. Wow. That is very, very ahead of its time. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if that was planned or they just decided one day, as TV shows often did in that time period. We love a a transgender computer icon. That's great. Yeah. That's legendary and then but yeah it'll be oh uh, and then i think after that episode they started referring to her as a her but they did at the beginning they referred to her as a he and i think it interesting that they referred to it a computer as a gender (laughs) but don't we as (laughs) humans always seem to gender things though that's true right well like boats are always girls is like that's the rule right like yeah or is it planes? Uh, my, no, it's no, boats. It's, my car's a boy, so yeah. my car's a boy. I don't care. I have no. two. <laughs> I have two jeeps. One's a girl jeep. One's a boy jeep. <laughs> yeah. Both my jeeps. Definitely. Is this like a human yeah. thing? It has to be a human thing. Yeah, I mean, we like to personify everything, yeah. right? We personify our our pets. We personify our objects. We personify whatever we look at for the most yeah. part. Yeah, it helps us, you know, identify with things. You know, and yeah. make sense of our belongings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of identifying with things, yes. that's that's what I'm curious, right? Like in in uh, uh, the original series, Sam was an identifiable character, and I mean Dean. Why do I keep calling him Dean Stockwell? <laughs> I haven't watched Supernatural in like yeah. eight years. You're what technically happened? not wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's Dean Stockwell's character playing out. Um, Al wasn't relatable, right? He was he was the, the character, I mean, he wasn't not relatable, but he wasn't the character that you're meant to, like, necessarily be invested in. You're invested with Sam's relation with yeah. Al because you're invested with Sam. And that, that left a, a big mark on me, unknowingly, as I grew up and I became an adult, I had a very eclectic job history. I sometimes would think about myself as Sam. Like, what am I doing now? I'm a ride operator at a theme park. Now I'm a forklift driver. Now I'm a librarian. These are all real things I've done. (laughs) And so that sort of character that I identified with sort of became important to me in my fiction. And is this new show... Right, if it's, I, I agree with Sydney, it'll probably be a group dynamic yeah. because that's really in right now. Are we going to get that one character that we all love or is it going to be like 
I don't want to say friends, but I'm going to use friends, <laughs> um, where we all have our own that we enjoy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious about that, right? Am I going to have a, a Sam that I think is me? Like, I insert myself into the fiction and I'm like, I'm this guy? Or am I just going to have to pick and choose? I don't know if either one's a good answer for me. I won't know until I see it and then what I feel about yeah. it, but... I'm well, curious to see that. Because it could be interesting if, like, there are multiple characters who are leaping around and, and having different yeah. timelines. Because then you could see different, not to keep using the word dynamic over and over, but, like, for example, to contextualize it with friends again. But let's say whatever this ensemble cast that we have is, hypothetically, if whoever the Chandler of the group has to leap and is suddenly embodying a lawyer or somebody who has to be really serious and then what if the monica of the group who is super uh has hardcore ocd has to like jump into the body of a kindergarten teacher <laughs> like or a hippie or a hippie yeah like you know somebody who lives in a yurt <laughs> like i there's something to be said there because you know, it could be really interesting if there's multiple characters and each one then through jumping around and walking the shoes of other people in different timelines, it helps them to then connect with each other better. Yep. So I feel like that could be interesting if if that's how they approach the group dynamic. And, and again, at this point, all complete conjecture. For right. all we know, it could just, you know, be a carbon copy and we have two characters that have great chemistry and one is just like a mini Sam and the other one's a mini not Dean. (laughs) (laughs) Ow. (laughs) Can we talk about Dean Stockwell's performance, by the way? He basically, except for on the occasion and in like the first episode, never interacted with anybody, right? Except for um, sometimes small children and animals because they could see him. Okay. That's right. Oh, I, I And that was that. always like, those are some of my favorite episodes because there was always the cutest thing. You've got this, this guy who, you know, Vietnam vet, POW, all this stuff. And he's just had this rough life. And you just see him turn into this like pile of mush when these little kids are like, oh my gosh, are you an angel? <laughs> it's like the cutest thing ever. An what a great performance, though, just in general, that man brought to the role of this, like I said earlier, mostly unrelatable character. Yeah. But but he played him in such an endearing way. I can actually relate him to Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother, right? No one healthy looks up to Barney Stinson. <laughs> okay, but everybody might know one. I think that's what we're getting at here. It, because we, as the audience, are meant to identify with Sam because he's the main character. He's our protagonist. And like you said, we see him step into so many different roles that it's easy for people from all different backgrounds to eventually find some way to connect with Sam. However, his buddy, Al, maybe we've all had... A buddy, like nobody sees themselves as an owl, Uh-oh. but somebody else might. What did I disappear? Okay. No. Oh yeah, I lost you for a second. No. You're back. So am I still here? Now I'm back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. I wonder if it was a connection thing. Maybe. That's what it sounded yeah. like. Yeah. It looked like to me. Did I cut out too? No. No. Not that I know of. Okay. Interesting. So, 
nobody thinks of themselves as an owl, but somebody else might think of you as one because you're not the main mm. character in their story. Does it make sense? Like nobody yeah. thinks of themselves as a Barney Stinson. Well, I'm sure some dudes do. Let's be real. Yeah. But yeah. all them, what do they call them? The, the Sigma males or the alpha males? I don't They're remember. They're incels. Oh. <laughs> and I just lost um, half the audience. No. Yeah. But, you know, to, to contextualize it in terms of, you know, for this show, I can think of like Al kind of reminds me of like an uncle or maybe like a neighbor, somebody that I knew once. Because that's the point. He's not the main character, but you love him because he probably reminds you of somebody. So... And, and he That's was, part of what makes that dynamic work. Yeah, and he was a very good character. And there's actually, um, I used to read like all the books because they had a book series. There was one oh. that was written, and it was him. It was uh, like from his perspective. Sam would. It was after. I think it was called. I think it was Pulitzer. I think that's what it was called. And um, Sam had leaped into a doctor at a hospital, like the owl was at as a patient after he got rescued from being a POW in Vietnam. And it was just mm-hmm. like this thing. Um, it was just a story about him and his struggles and everything. And I don't know, to me, it brought like a new depth to the character because you got to see even more into this character. You don't really see a lot about, you know, um, from watching the show, you know, about his like wife, his military background, mm-hmm. things like that. But I don't know, to me, it gave me kind of like a deeper dive into him as a character. And it was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it kind of like, what, was that later in the series? That when was, that happened? Um, I don't remember when the books came out, but. Um, there, but there the was, show had sort of been on for a while. Yeah, the show had probably. been on for a while. And these are just, I don't know if they're accepted as canon, but. Mm-hmm. But I think the experience you're talking about uh, in terms of, oh, that's cool to see him in a new light and to see more sides of him. I mean, it's kind of like to equate it to what I was talking about with how he reminds you of somebody in your life. Like, it's kind of like when you grow up and you uh, become friends with your parents in ways that you couldn't have until you were an adult. Like, right. Or or older siblings, for example. Like, um when you start to learn more and empathize with a person that previously was only like, that's just my older cousin, but then you get closer to their age and you start to see the world through their eyes a little bit better, you connect a little bit more, you start to like them more. That same sort of thing happens with fictional characters. The secondary ones, particularly. You know, I am... I'm sorry, I actually went on a side tangent here. Um... I'm looking at the cast of our new uh, show. Yeah. I don't think I know anybody here, really, um, except for Ernie Hudson. But I'm trying to, like, look at their ages, and I'm trying to decide, like, is there even an owl-type character? Or is it just a group dynamic with with an actual absence of that character? Um, Maybe it's just my perspective, but because of when I watched Quantum Leap, right, I was very young. Owl was older but was he i don't yeah, know he he was a little bit older than he was, sam so is ernie hudson the only like character that could be an owl in this cast lineup probably because ernie hudson plays magic i forget his actual name but 
The guy's all called him Magic. The Herbert Magic. Yes. Um, he was actually one of the people that Sam has, had left into when he went into Viet. He was in Vietnam when he, with uh, Sam's brother. Oh, oh, he's the betraying. Oh, I didn't know he was in Quantum. I don't remember uh, that. Ernie Hudson wasn't the guy in the show, oh, but, okay. but he's playing, he's the, playing character. the character. And so I'm really excited right. about that. Because to me, that's so, a tie-in. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at this uh, synopsis right now. And just for anybody listening who maybe hasn't checked it out, this is um, sort of NBC released more details about it. Finally. And it says, uh, Ben makes an unauthorized leap into the past as the main character leaving the team behind to solve the mystery of why he did it. At Ben's side throughout his leaps is Addison, played by Caitlin Bassett, who appears in the form of a hologram only Ben can see and hear. So she's sort of... I haven't seen this yet. The the Al. She's a decorated army vet who brings level-headed precision to her job. At the helm of the highly confidential operation is Herbert Magic Williams, Ernie Hudson a no-nonsense career military man who has to answer to his bosses who won't be happy once they learn about the breach of protocol. The rest of the team at headquarters includes Ian Wright, who runs the artificial intelligent unit Ziggy. Played by Mason Park. Mason, sorry. Mason, Mason Park. Alexander Park um, is playing Ian Wright, not Ziggy. And yeah, no, I'm sorry. That's, I, yeah. And Jen Chow, played by Nanrisa Lee, who heads up digital security for the project so it does seem to be a team dynamic so but also like we have the main two yeah um this addison gonna be a different buddy dynamic yeah because it's a it's a but it is similar right yeah because if um addison Addison. played by caitlin bassett Mm -hmm. is an army vet is that what you said yeah oh i'm gonna like her already that's very similar dean i'm Free. <laughs> Dean Stockwell. Al, Al was, he was in the military. He was Navy. Point, right? Navy, yeah. So there is, they are, they are tying similarity lines to their characters. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, let me see here. I do, um, I, I so, yeah, I'm going to touch on it. There is the potential here, I guess, for a, a very different buddy dynamic as uh i mean i don't know these two people raymond lee and caitlin bassett she's um, my age i just imdb'd her so raymond lee looks like he's your age as well they look yeah. the similar age is what i'm he's saying he's pretty that's that's um, that's all i know of him yeah. i don't i don't know him <laughs> he's very good looking I, i've seen him i've seen him like in bits and pieces I, yeah. but i know the yeah. face for sure but i don't know him but well are they going to sorry my microphone's bouncing around um, are they going to like that? That's a different relationship they could play with, right? Now there could be like this forbidden romantic relationship, and is that a writing trope they want to fall into, right? Because if she's a hologram, they're gonna—he's. They say love is all proximity, right? Right. Is he gonna fall in love with someone he can literally never even physically? Have? They're gonna be like a Master Chief Cortana situation. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good, I think, replica. And are they really going to take a show that could potentially introspect on the human element and our sociopolitical everything and then make that story all over again? They give <laughs> right, us that, a romance. Where they just make the female character as the love icon for the man. 
Um, it sounds like yeah. no, because they gave her all this like cool badass yeah. backstory. Yeah, but, she has level-headed um, precision, so, yeah. you know. And then <laughs> if you add a love story onto that, I mean, you could do that badly and cheapen the I mean, it, but you could also do it good yeah. and add a dynamic to they it. They very well could be going for like a Mulder-Scully dynamic, too. It's And Scully was never cheapened with her romantic interest in Mulder. Right. No, she was still it's, a badass. You, yeah. Yeah, you, that's what I'm saying. You can do it well yeah. and make the character even now, more Now, you could argue that a lot of people like dropped off of watching X-Files after their romance became more explicit and less I think more people stopped watching at. X-Files after Doggett came in. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> I forget when I stopped watching X-Files. What was that last one? I think more people stopped watching X-Files after Agent Doggett came in yeah. and Mulder kind of phased out. Yeah, see, mm. I don't think I even watched that far. I think I watched a couple seasons after the movie. Oh, okay. And then not even as religiously as I had before. Yeah. I recently went back and watched... I say recently, it was like seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Time is a, is a social construct. Yeah. Um, the last four years are really watched, like one year. Yeah, I watched everything. And then a couple years after that, the new season came out. I really liked the new season. It was definitely different. It didn't have the same feel. But I did like how they revisited Mulder and Scully and how their lives had gone differently all those for all those many years um i think actually now that we're talking about x-files um i think x-files is a great example of how you can continue a story um i personally do like the new seasons i don't think they're actually well received though i might be alone <laughs> mostly I've, in that just in that i mean the the new season was i personally really enjoyed it i liked that each episode had a different sort of tone like each episode explored the yeah. different facets of what made the show work as a whole. Um, yeah. So each episode was, was almost like ended. an anthology. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then book ended the season with the plot heavy sort of um, yeah. progression of the story sort of thing. Yeah. But point being like that Mulder Scully dynamic is so iconic and what makes it work is one the will they won't they of it all like we know they have great chemistry and we want them to get together but at the same time do we because it's so great that we have this we were lingering in this tension of it um but also the fact that again we kind of have that straight man and the goofy one except in this case they flip that on its head and the straight man is actually the, the woman um so they could be going for something like that here um it could be something totally all together maybe who knows? Maybe there's no chance of it whatsoever because one of them is gay. Why not? Yeah. Um, which is just going to open up a whole bunch of other possibilities yeah. for the for the story. Um, maybe one of them has a love interest that's well, actually, in the real world. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's actually... Well, um, that is... Correct me if I'm wrong, Christina, but there is an episode where Sam jumps into a woman and romances a man yes yes okay so that's actually one of one of my favorites because is it when he's the midwestern girl no he he leads no? into this uh i, I want to say she's like a secretary or something and this guy that she's work or he she she is working for um is like a real sleaze bag and he's totally screwing around this with this girl and um the girl 
actually has like this huge mental breakdown when he's like, come on, you know, I'm never leaving my wife or whatever. And uh, so Sam goes in because through the whole episode, this dog is just making a pass, pass after pass after pass at Sam. So Sam goes in and like, quote unquote, seduces this guy and <laughs> and then just totally flips it on. So once the guy's like, oh, yeah, I knew you wanted me. He's like, by the way, I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and then the guy starts freaking out and um it was like yeah okay so we, we knew this guy was a dog and now he just got his comeuppance yeah so that that's definitely whoa i got way more echoey i moved my monitor and i think that caused an echo sorry um that definitely brings up that that is a very progressive way to do a man seducing a man as a woman in the 80s slash 90s, depending on when that episode came out. But we could definitely, I think, break some more boundaries, potentially, with this one. Like, let's pretend uh, Dr. Ben is is gay. I, we don't know that's true or not. He could be straight. It doesn't matter, really, overall for the story. But let's just say, for the context of this hypothesis, that he is gay. And he hops into the body of a man who is not gay. That's um, definitely conversation starting, to say the yeah. least, in today's climate where somebody is doing something that they might not be comfortable with. Yeah. In in that sort of way, you know, and that um, that could they could essentially do an episode exactly like the one you just described with today's. Social political issues. Yeah, yeah. The client—it's something that's a little more relevant, definitely now. And it's not that those yeah. weren't things people were thinking about then; it just wasn't things that you don't talk about it. They weren't on yeah. TV, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I, I think I think that that could really work. I, like I think they really broke boundaries. Is like, okay, yeah, he's leaping into a woman. He's got to pretend to be a housewife. He's got, you know. Yeah. Yep. And. It, it put him in a position where he's like, well, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Or be yeah, this. Yeah, he's like... And I think in the one episode I was talking about, the person was like, uh, tomorrow, why don't you put on a little makeup? Because it was the 60s. So, oh, yeah. So, and he's like, what? <laughs> you know. So not only were we looking at sort of the inherent... Um, there's always going to be a little, at least a little bit of backwardsness in the way things were written at that time, just because of the nature of it being the the 80s and 90s. Um, but the, then you add that on top of it, the, the backwardness that they're deliberately trying to teach us about right. what was happening in the 60s. So it was like a double layer of it. So that's what I mean when I say, like, I think this show now is probably going to jump at the chance to directly address those things. Um, to sort of directly maybe correct those kinds of choices that were just all over television and film at, at that time. Right. Um, and because I feel like most new things now are directly making an effort to correct those things. And, you know, to, to, to mixed responses because, you know, well, this is the world we live in. <laughs> True. Um, and you know the world is one big angry comment thread twenty four seven, but yep, yeah, and that's something 
no matter what this show does, yeah. some of the original fans are going to be vehemently angry at what it does. Yeah. If it's not progressive enough, people are going to be angry. If it's too progressive, people are going to be They're angry. Like, it's too woke. Everything's yeah. got to be woke, man. I saw a yeah. woman. Now I'm upset. <laughs> well, And that's the thing. Like, Quantum Leap, like we said, was pretty woke for its time. I mean, there were some episodes yeah. that I've watched again. I'm like, oh, I can't believe they used that kind of language. I mean, I get why they did what they did, but I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know about that. But yeah, that's not okay anymore, Sam. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, but. I get what they were going for from, you know, a writer's standpoint, like, trying to yeah. make it authentic to the time period. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm like... You can make it authentic to this time period without actually going to those... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, I get it, but it, it makes me uncomfortable to watch some episodes. Them. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's really not cool how they went about that. And... I do want to expand on that, that sometimes that can be okay, because sometimes you need to be made uncomfortable. Yeah. But you have to do it in a way that's making it clear that it's incorrect. Yeah, like, yeah. this is making you uncomfortable, that's good, this this is yeah. why. And what am I saying yeah. about it? Yeah, like, if you're not yeah. uncomfortable, like, a lot of the uh, episodes that touch on civil rights and racism, it's like, yeah, you're uncomfortable because this is wrong. Yeah. And it's what yeah. Happened. So what are you going to do about it? Exactly. Basically, how do you feel about that? Well, because it's it's meant to be. It's supposed to invite Make and think. inspire thought and change. Yep. So it has to be a purpose. Like everything that's written, there has to be a reason why it's written. It shouldn't just be. So. Yeah. And yeah. shock value is not. Unless you're watching a horror movie, shock value is not a legitimate reason to write something. I, right. I'm so there, sick of shock. To, yeah. But yeah. also, you. Could I want to. Even... I want to go back to the the Glenn death scene and um, um, walking. That's dead. when I quit. Yeah. There was no reason for the gratuitous of it. Yeah. They could have killed the character tastefully. It was only to shock the audience, and to me, that's yeah an illegitimate writing technique. Yeah. I. I mean, I guess you could say that it's a horror show, and I just you know. You need no, to that kind of thing. Because but it wasn't. It had evolved way past just being a horror adjacent. They show. they kinda yeah. lost their humanity at some point and it just made the show kinda not fun to watch anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be a show about humanity. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Now granted Because the humanity are the walking dead, right? Yeah. They're the ones that are like they're dead man walking. Yeah. They're the walking, not the and zombies. because, you know, we've fallen off and that. haven't watched it in so long, who knows what it's like now. Like, it, they, they might have course corrected, and it's just too late to go back Oh, is now. it still going? I thought it ended. I think no, it's, it's still going. It, yeah, it's it's on. Oh, well, I didn't even know. Yeah, it is still going. Um, so I, I, I can't speak on, you know, if whether or not it's still implementing those techniques. But we are not a minority in terms of uh, that opinion. Lots of people were lost at that point. Um and yeah, because it felt senseless. It felt like it was just meant to manipulate emotions, but not actually have something worthwhile to say about it. It was just to make us feel sad and angry. Um, and if you're going to evoke an emotion, good writing evokes emotion, but also presents you with a thought and a a reason, a conclusion to accompany that emotion, right? So I'm very interested to see what this new series um how it's going to explore those things and 
what sort of questions it's going to pose. Is it going to lean more scientific? Is it going to lean more philosophical? Um, is it going to lean more social, um, sociopolitical, um, as we've kind of touched on? I do like now that we've gotten this. Or is it only going to be an action sci-fi? Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that we yeah, have more right? characters now to focus on um, indicates to me that, that it's going to be a little more than that because there's already, like, we have all these other characters with names and descriptions. Um, oh, you're frozen again. Am I? Am I back? Uh, you got you You're can. good. Okay. Um, yeah, so the fact that, yeah, we have the main two, we have Ernie Hudson, we have uh, the AI guy. I imagine this Ian Wright character who runs Ziggy is probably going to be like your computer nerd brainy guy uh, on the team. That's always a, a, you know, your Velma. That's important. Um, and then... Whether or not they're going to sort of... Oh, I do want to make a correction. Uh, uh, Mason is non-binary. Oh. Non-binary. So we should be saying... Apologies. Oh, Mason Park. Oh, wait, 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 Mason Park. Hold on. I know who this is. Oh, they're in Sandman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. They play um, Desire. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so... Oh, I love that. Sort of a, a non a non-binary Velma. That's cool. I mean, I'm assuming that this character just because it's the the AI person that that, that means that they're gonna be nerdy, but you know, hey, I we like nerd representation here just as much as we like non-binary rep- representation, so why not both? Love it. <laughs> so I'm hoping that's well, what we I'd... get here. <laughs> I was going to say that casting someone like them is already telling me that they're going to, they've made a decision about being progressive. I'm just going to use that word. It's not necessarily the word we all use anymore, but they're going to basically embrace. Well, they're acknowledging these are, these, this exists. These, this is our reality. Deal with it. And like, that's kind of, we have to do that because I do find it unlikely that they would shoehorn this character to be a he or she. Yeah. So it is likely they will be a they. Yeah in the show which i i really like that how a lot of shows are doing that because back in the day it was like you were a boy you were a girl the boy and the girl they fall in love everything's very binary and it's like the system that's not what the human race is there are so many different people we're all different we all have different you know wants needs you know desires different ways we identify ourselves how we feel about ourselves i i like that we're now expanding well, we can, on this yeah. in media. Yeah, we can, we can make a story about that. Yeah, we can make a story about a man and a woman falling in love and doing all that. But not every story needs a story about a man and a woman falling in yeah, love. Yeah, exactly. Not every story needs love into it at all. Period. Right? Like, yeah. I don't need a love story in everything I watch. And that love story doesn't have to be the same love story in everything yeah. I've seen. Especially now, too, so. we've also acknowledged that aromantic people exist as well. Like, there are people yeah. out there who just have n- no interest in romance in their own lives and can't relate to it because it's not something that they experience. And so, yeah, not every story needs to, you know, follow necessarily a formula. Like, but to kind of tangent or segue a little bit, though, on the topic of formula, I, I would say that with a TV show, with something episodic, there is a certain amount of formula that has to be adhered to 
on an episode to episode basis so that it consistently feels like it's all one show. But it can make its own formula. It doesn't have to use the formulas yes. of tried and true tropes. That yes. But I was I was leading into a question mostly for Christina, but also for you, Andrew, because you've you know seen more of the show than I have. But is there sort of a pattern or a formula that is in, intrinsically quantum leap? Like you have sort of expectations as you're watching the show, like generally what's going to happen? Like, Well, yeah, the show can be... I'll go yeah, first yeah. because my answer is going to be more generic and you'll have a better answer that's more specific probably. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and that the show does have a basic format in that Sam leaps into something he doesn't know anything about. He has to discover what it's about, discover what he wants to do, and that sets him free to the next leap. And that's the basic formula. That is the, the quantum leap formula. What can happen inside that formula, it could be a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. It could be a love story. But no matter what kind of story you're telling, that's the formula. You have a character that is clueless about everything going on. He has to discover the story, and he has to help write the ending. Or in most cases, change yeah. the ending. Um, and, and, there was, and there was backstories to both the characters. They were both, you know, uh, one had the love of his life that he left behind. Uh, the other one had the love of his life who had pronounced him dead because he'd been missing for so many years in Vietnam. So you have those, but they were background. Like, you knew these backstories, mm-hmm. but it wasn't front and center in your face kind of thing. So okay. it was basically Sam and what he was doing in that episode. With whatever trouble. And they did. They did a lot of uh, genre type stuff, too. They have, like, a noir one. Um... They had some westerns. They, they took advantage of the fact that he could go anywhere within his lifetime and okay. put him in different different situations. So, um, yeah, like Andrew was saying, the tropes can be different. The rules can be different. The type of story can be different week to week. Okay. But there wasn't like a sort of a, a formula in terms of plot pacing um you can expect like the the beginning part of it this is where he learns well, yeah. where he is act and- one would be what is happening mm-hmm. act two would be what do i do act three would be i need to do it okay it's it's basically is that a good summary it, christina I would, I would say so it's basically like if someone took you right now and put you into someone else's life you know, Sam had to figure out who these people were, what their relation was to the person he was in, kind of what he was doing there in the first place. And, you know, he had Al to help him out with that. And then, you know, the second kind of middle part would be a lot of times he kind of had an idea of what he needed to change. And then mm-hmm. you have your, your conflict, your struggle. Uh, a lot of times if someone was supposed supposed to die and he had to Mm -hmm. stop them from dying they would always you know they'd fight him on it don't tell me i can't do this kind of thing so kind of like trying to figure out sometimes he'd be wrong about exactly (laughs) but it was like it was like there was that struggle and then in the third like kind of part that was where everything kind of came together and he either did what he ziggy said he was there to do or 
he figured out something completely different and managed to still change history for the better. Okay. And that actually, um, that brings me to another question I have, is are we going to inspect whether or not, like, is this new crew... Go. I'm, well, I can almost guarantee you. Actually, it's going to happen at some point in time in the show. They're going to question if they should even be doing this, and if Sam should have ever done this. Should we really change the past? What's happened has happened. They're gonna. They're gonna dissect that at some point. I can almost guarantee. And it. As they should, and they did actually. Um, in this fifth season, they did bring in those evil leapers, which I wasn't a big fan. Evil of. Evil leapers. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan <laughs> of that kind of story arc, but. It was like their mission was to go back in time and like screw everything up. I don't remember that. It, it was only like three episodes. Like, okay. Were, did they work for like an evil corporation? Yeah. Oh, me. Did they work for? <laughs> let me redo that okay. line. Did they work for like an evil corporation or were they just nefarious individuals? I, it it didn't go too deep into it, but it seems like they worked for a nefarious organization. So if this show takes off, I can almost guarantee you that will pick up at some point. Even if it's not in direct relation to the episodes we've yeah. already seen. I'm just like in my, my sort of like showrunner mindset about how they, they keep a show going, right? Um, that's just, that just it's going to happen in a, in a modern right. show. There's going to be the anti, the exact opposite of what the main character's doing. That character's going to exist. That's such a, a normal. I mean, it's a it's a locutus to to Picard, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and it it would be interesting to see. I like I said, it wasn't my favorite arc, but it if they can find a way to do it, like a little, I don't know how, but a little bit better. I, I think it could be interesting to see. Another thing I want to bring up real quick: how hard it might be for this show to find its voice or its, or its niche or whatever, right? Um, for one, a lot of what we have talked about is like how it's an introspection of the human element. Um, that's not necessarily a unique thing right now. It was a unique thing back then um, with only the two shows that I can think of, Star Trek and Quantum Leap. But, I mean, Westworld is like the king yeah. of the introspection of the human element right yeah. now. So bringing another show that is doing the same thing is going to be difficult to grab the audience, um, uh, with the exception of you know the, the the people who are definitely going to watch it, which are the people who have watched the original. But keeping that audience is going to be tough. Now they could also come from it from a this is a deep sci-fi show like that's I mean Quantum Leap was a sci-fi show right, but it wasn't a deep sci-fi yeah. show. It wasn't so steeped in sci-fi you had to be a sci-fi nerd to like yeah, the show. Yeah. But there's not a huge that I can think of right now deep sci-fi show. There seems to be like a few freeze frames that I've seen of this new show seems to have like some sci-fi-ish elements going on. So I, I think it will be difficult to find that larger audience yes. which is something that they're going to have to address at some point they, they could possibly because it is a time travel show and i don't know how much sydney knows about the 
quote unquote rules that sometimes get broken. Um, <laughs> how Sam could only leap back and forth within his own lifetime. So mm. I'm assuming and that this new guy might was what did we say his name was Ben, right? Yes. Yeah, Dr. Ben. Uh, yeah. So I'm assuming he'll have like the same, if not very similar rules. So that's still like Sam was in the nineties, no, so this guy could t- possibly take on like a whole new set of time travel. Mm-hmm. I lost the word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? Like a whole new set of uh, the guidelines. Decades, the, yeah. The where he could go well, to. Yeah, he's visiting different yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I am actually not sure I like that. I think if they're wise, they will find a way to overcome that. The lifetime like. thing? So... Yes. They, they did. Because so he can go farther back? only... Yeah, well, think... Of, I mean, this guy... Let's assume he's our age. I don't know how old Raymond uh, is. He's in his 35. Yeah. He's exactly my same age. Yeah. So you... He's two two months younger. So you've younger got the 80s to so the early 2000s. 80s, mm-hmm. If 86 is as far back as we go, I think they're by far limiting the experiences he can yeah. have. But, they, you know, they did find a way around this a couple times. Yeah. Um, in yeah. one episode, when he and Al switched places, he, because he was connected to Al, he was able to go back to before he was born. And then I think there was another one where he went back as far as the Civil War hmm. because it was a family member. Oh, that's interesting. So they, they could definitely break the rules and find a plausible way to do it. Yeah. Well, I... Which I, I sincerely hope they do, yeah. because I'm trying to think of a show that can only time back as far as 1986, and that just seems far less interesting to me. And now, I, I wouldn't mind if the bulk of it is in you know the 80s and 90s, because uh, there's definitely a lot of interesting stories. Well, I feel like there. that's part of probably the point, is because that's the time period when the original show took place. So we're going to see probably a lot of... I imagine the new characters exploring what was happening with their science <laughs> and their people during the yeah, time that the show was on originally because so, yeah. they're trying to figure out what happened to Sam, we think. And their 1999 is not equivalent to our 1999. Yeah. They were far more technologically yeah. advanced than yeah. us like, <laughs> in their 1999 than we actually like, were. I don't know how much you remember from the first episode, but like. I remember Dean's uh, uh, owls. <laughs> uh, I remember owls holographic yeah. jacket, like yeah. it, his his hollow yeah. jacket. And, and the girl had like the the light up earrings, and it was very uh-huh. um, I, Blade Runner. Yeah, like it was gimmicky almost. You know, yeah. like oh look, we got all these flashing neon lights everywhere. Yeah, are they still gonna go with that? Or are they gonna kind of like retcon that a little bit? Maybe. Yeah. Um. I, I kind of find I kind of hope they don't. Yeah, because it. it's I funny. kind of hope we see what the timeline evolved timeline evolved into, and I, I kind of lo- I don't know. I that was part of the aesthetic yeah. of Quantum Leap. Yeah. I loved. Yeah, I, I, loved I loved Al's outfits. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, they were a staple yeah. of the show. <laughs> the other thing too, when you were talking, I also about, remember the gold one he wore. But. When you were talking about like <laughs> trying to think of other sci-fi shows that delve into the human the, the depth of the human 
existence and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And immediately the first thing that came to my mind, even though it's not explicitly a sci-fi show, is The Twilight Zone. What Because yeah, Twilight Zone everything about The Twilight Zone, every single episode the, was about some sort of a moral dilemma, some sort of human error, something wrong with humanity that needs to be directly addressed. And like nowadays we also have Black Mirror, which is a modernized version of mm-hmm. that same exact thing. Um, and all of those things are very popular right now. And the idea of bringing back the anthology style of storytelling. So mm-hmm. they could be leaning sort of in that direction where even though we have the same main characters each time, if each episode feels like kind of its own self-contained lesson <laughs> in, um, and then kind of connect it with an overarching plot of them trying to piece together the mystery of what the hell happened in the 90s with Sam Beckett. Um, I could see them kind of going in that direction, maybe cranking up the seriousness a little bit, like kind of leaning into that kind of Black Mirror Twilight Zone vibe, maybe. Um, because I feel like the original show seems to me like kind of is very lighthearted. Am I correct in that? Yeah, I mean, like I said, they did have some... I don't want to say a very special episode because it definitely wasn't as cheesy as, you know, Full House. Yeah. But, I mean, they did have their serious episodes where they touched on, you know, hot topics. But Yeah, but the tone. The tone was pretty lighthearted for the most part. Yeah. So I wonder how true to that they're going to stay or if they're going to try to, like, mature it up a little bit. Um. I do I do have my own suspicion not based on anything quantum leap based but based on just television show making in our current time it's going to be hyper um angsty <laughs> i don't know that's not broody, the right word. like dark um, edgy gr- greedy. gritty yeah edgy no edgy is the perfect yeah. word it's going to be hyper edgy because that's what's in right now it's, it's what makes well, edgy or but, like super leaning into the 80s, 90s nostalgia, like a la Stranger Things um, or, yeah. you know. Oh, my God. Any, you know I, I, mean? I just have a fan fiction crossover right in my head. Stranger <laughs> Things, Quantum Leap. Okay. <laughs> Stranger Leaps. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, I mean, you are quantum leaping into Strangers, so. Like, what, yeah, what, what the leaps. hell is this? Um, another sort of random tangent, What while we were on a little break there, I was looking up a little deeper into the cast um, just to see, because as soon as we addressed, like, what uh, where Mason was from and I realized who they were, I was like, oh, I should probably go and see if I'm an idiot and I know who anyone else is. And it turns out that um, Caitlin Bassett, the one who's playing the sort of um al character but but a but a lady um she actually is an army veteran she is a military veteran for real real life in real life oh wow um, who spent seven years in the u.s army intelligence and the national security agency with three tours abroad prior to her honorable discharge with multiple combat and meritorious honors and then returned to the u.s 
to focus on acting. <laughs> so and she's a badass in real life. Yeah, and doesn't... She's going to bring the element of her actual history Because when character. I looked her up, I was like, she hasn't been in much. And then I see why. is because she hasn't been acting long because she was literally in the military. Um, and that's cool. Like, that makes me think of um, another actor with military background who I think is a really incredible actor. Oh, she always invented... She's only been in one other thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, and uh, This is her second thing. Wow, what a major role for your second yeah. role. Um, but the actor that awesome. it makes me think of is Adam Driver. Um, because he yeah. part of why he's such an amazing performer is because he, like acting was kind of his outlet to deal with like the, tr- the trauma that he was going through. And... Um, it was sort of a bonding mechanism. Like he started a, a theater program with his, um, I don't know what the military terminology is, Christina, forgive me, but his, you know, his people in his troop or whatever, all sort of like they were coping with their sadness and their trauma and their struggles by like doing scene work and monologues and stuff. And so when he was done in the, in the military, he was like, I want to, keep doing this acting is great that's <laughs> helping me process stuff and it made him a better actor um highly recommend uh, those of you listening looking up adam driver's ted talk where he talks about it it's freaking phenomenal um so that makes me really excited about this character because i feel like she's gonna have something really interesting to bring and that's probably also interesting what? for you christina as a as a veteran yourself for- I, you know what i always get really excited when um they have someone just military in general and they yeah. portray that person in a way that's believable. Like you're like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, they could definitely have been in the military. And when they do military yeah. characters wrong, I just get pissed off. So now, you know, yeah. you're not going to have very much of that with this character <laughs> like, because yes. she's going to know, like if they yeah. write her in a way that's like, that would never happen. Exactly. She's going to know it. She's going to be like, no. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, there is also the issue that she is a relatively unaccomplished actor at this point hopefully they listen to i would think that personally <laughs> i would think if you're hiring a veteran to play you're doing it so you, they know you want right? that knowledge a, yeah. a smart person would take that as a learning experience i would you know i want i want to relate this back um to a completely unrelated uh, genre and franchise <laughs> but um just speaking of smart people uh, Peter Jackson and Lord yeah. of the Rings, when Christopher Lee oh, yeah. was instructed to make whatever sound he was supposed to make when he was stabbed, and Peter Jackson was trying to describe to him the sound he wants to make, and C- Christopher Lee just goes, do you know what it's like to be stabbed? <laughs> and he he then proceeds to tell him from first act experience what would happen, and Peter Jackson was just like, well, you know, so do it. <laughs> Christopher Lee was like, and yes, so, I have been stabbed. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what we see is Christopher Lee's personal experience of being stabbed in the back in the movie um, because we had smart people listening to the actors that they hired. So, yeah, um, one can hope that if they're going to be um, progressive enough to hire nine, non, nine binary, <laughs> non-binary, Nine, that doesn't even make sense. Nine twos. Um, a non-binary person um, that they are also going to listen to a female veteran about the female veteran. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would make sense. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I gotta say, just in conclusion for me, as somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with this original show, just objectively looking at what we know so far about this new show, it seems like really, it's gonna be really interesting. Like, even if I didn't know that it was a reboot of another show, I'd be like, this is a really interesting concept. Um, so that gives me... It definitely appears to have a strong yeah. cast. Yeah. Um, and it's not really leaning too hard on using, like, big-name celebrities. Like, yeah, um, Mason Park is more popular now because Sandman really took off, and people are really in into them right now because they did such a good job as Desire. Um, but that hadn't happened yet at Raymond the time Lee. that they were cast. Raymond Lee has been in a lot of things, but they're like character yeah. parts. And then uh, the other the other girl, I can't remember her name anymore. Hold on, I just saw it. Um, Jewel State? No. Wait, Jewel State is in it? Oh my god, I do know She's that. She's in it? Holy crap, I know I who that is. I have read these things like so many times and I have not seen her name once. Yeah, what? I didn't see her on here either. Jewel State is in it. Okay, for anyone listening, that would be Kaylee from Firefly. Oh um, my god. Or, or, oh, I can't remember her character name, but from Flash Forward. Wasn't ben it Becca Foster. or Beck? No, no. Yeah, she plays a character named uh, Naomi. So I do know okay. Flash I know. Forward. I know Ernie and, and Um Jerry. I'm going to yeah, find out her name right now. Uh, side note: Ben Foster has a new movie. Yeah, I loved good. him when I was younger. Hold on. Flash forward, Disney. Rebecca, Becca. Yeah, it was Becca. <laughs> yeah, it was Becca. I can't believe Jewel State was staring at me that whole time, and I just kind of glanced <laughs> over her name and never really looked at it. I didn't even it. see that. Um, oh, the main. <laughs> She's the second. Oh my god! Guy, um, wow. <laughs> Raymond Lee um, oh. was on Westworld. He was we, in we Top Gun too, and I was like, mentioned. I didn't even. Yeah, I saw that. I, said, I know his face. I've definitely yeah. seen his face. I've seen a lot of those things, but none of them were like. He wasn't like. Like something that like stuck yeah. to me. But I noticed like, in your face. Like, he was in How I Met Your Mother. None of too, these people so. are like Ryan Reynolds. You know, none of these people. Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. any of the Chris's. It's it's nobody who's like everybody's going to flock to it specifically for that name. It's not leaning yeah. on the stardom and the celebrity of somebody who's trendy right now. And These I were people who that. were cast. But now we do have a sci-fi veteran. Yeah. In, in, in general. Yeah. But not um, a lead I, you know, character. I would actually though. consider Ernie. Uh, no, I would also consider Ernie Hudson. A oh, yeah. yeah. Because Ghostbusters is sci-fi yeah, totally. adjacent. Totally. At least. Yeah. <laughs> Supernatural sci-fi, yeah. Nanrissa Lee. But yeah, I I like the fact that. I mean, yeah, they do have a, some big names in there, but I like the fact that it's not in your face. This is the celebrity that's been in everything, and now he's going to be in this kind of thing. Yeah, I'm all, I'm always wary yeah. of that yeah. because I don't need to watch something because I like someone, which you know I admittedly yeah. will do. Um, but if I'm going to be introduced to a new thing, I need it to be a good thing because it's a good thing, not a good thing because so-and-so is Exactly. It. And, like, yeah. um, top, touching on that, Scott Bakula is not even going to be in it. So, yeah. I mean, maybe he'll that do a we guest know spot. Of. No, he's actually confirmed he's not in it. Aww. He might do a guest spot in the future. I'm not saying that's impossible, but, like, 
on the cast. He's I yeah. think he's got another show going. Oh, okay. I remember um, Scott Bakula had said in an interview a few years ago that he would love to revisit the character. But that so was before is, Dean died. Unless I'm imagining that, but yeah, that's true. So my right, how know. how could you revisit Sam without? Yeah, it, I mean, I'm sure if this season takes off, I'm sure he'll he'll come back in it, and they end up doing another season if this one goes well. Um, what I don't want to see is a computer generated Dean. No, well. yeah, I don't want to see that. Uh, dumb question. Do we know what this is streaming on? What this is going to be on? I think it's actually going to be probably Peacock. I think it's going to be on NBC. Like it's so Sunday, then probably Peacock. It's Sunday okay. at yeah. uh, ten, I think. Okay. So if Peacock, I if I assume if they do put it on a stream service, it'll okay. be Peacock. But you know they also might not until after. Uh, the reason I ask is because I wanted to make sure it wasn't a Netflix original because we um we're we're not happy about Netflix originals because they only last one season if they're good. Yeah, usually, I've got a, usually Netflix. Netflix is the new. Yeah, I've got I've got a few uh, shows that I fell in love with. I watched the first season and then. Yeah, that Netflix was that. is notorious for just pumping out as much as they possibly can, and with no plan for continuing it. And they only continue it with more seasons if it takes off on like a massive pandemonium level, like Stranger Things did, or like The Witcher, and it becomes this huge cultural. Yeah where like everyone's buying merch at target for it and you know like dressing as the characters it's from the Comic-Con. equivalent of throwing noodles exactly at the it like it has to be pandemonium or nothing less because if it's not this humongous marketable gigantic explosion of a success even if it's successful if it's not that successful then they're not going to renew it and it ends after one season even though it has a huge fan base so yep. you know as much as I hate to say it, though, from a business standpoint, I do get it because it's not the same as it is on a network show. On a network show, if something is just kind of successful, it's making money. On Netflix, if it's kind of successful, it's still overshadowed by their big successes. And because they're not ad revenue based, I, I get it. I don't agree with it and it still makes me upset, but at least I understand yeah, okay. it from a business standpoint. But I also hate when... I hate when big corporations only make decisions based on business and not on what is... They don't listen to the fans, and it's not artistic integrity. The, yeah, they don't, they don't care about the consumer. They only care about yeah, the bottom exactly. line. And it's fine to care about the bottom line, but not at the expense of your consumer fan base. Because, A, that's also just a bad decision from a business standpoint if you, if you destroy your fan base. Like, for one... Um, once Cobra Kai and um, what's the other one, Sydney? Other what? Oh, once Cobra Kai and Stranger Things are finished. That's oh, like and the, the Witcher. We're, we're, we're leaving Netflix because there's literally nothing else. Yeah. And, and, we're, and we're upset with the company. So, yeah, they're still going to get us for a little while. Um, but then, like, we are done. HBO is doing better and Hulu even is yeah. doing better with what we do in the shadows. Oh, my God. Yeah, I um, I I definitely after Stranger Things and Cobra Kai are done, I'm probably gone mm-hmm. because I mean Lost in Space finished I think earlier this year. So, I never oh even watched my the second god, movie. it was so good. I watched the first one. We loved the first one. I don't know why we never watched yeah. the second one. 
I think it was just timing in our life, what was happening in our life yeah. at yeah. that time. It just didn't happen. Well, and then the third yeah. season, um, it took a while for them to come back because of the pandemic. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it was really good. So, um, just out of curiosity, you know, we, we talked, this was our, you know, introductory episode, or is our introduction episode. Um, we talked a little bit about ourselves, but we didn't really go into too much detail about other things. Um, Christina, what's your other favorite shows? You have, you have Quantum Leap. Okay, well, I mean. Um, let's, let's go generic, okay. right? Not necessarily your only all-time favorite show of all time, but what are some of the picks of everything that you've ever watched? Okay, well, I mean, I mentioned, obviously, my few Netflix favorites. Um, yeah, also yeah. a huge Once Upon a Time fan. Mm-hmm. And then back in the day, I watched uh, Sequest, like the first season. After that, I kind of lost interest. And then um, X-Files. The, those were my, like, my big ones. I, myself, I, um, obviously I like Quantum Leap, but essentially so much of what I watched is what you watched as my older sister who had, um, well, not necessarily control the television because I wasn't trying right, to use right. the television. I just, if what was on was what I was watching, I wasn't like arguing about it. Not that I remember. Yeah. Really. Um, so yeah, uh, I watched as a far too young of a child, probably X-Files. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't ever remember it bothering me, though. Um, which is funny for someone who doesn't like to watch horror. Um, X-Files has never frightened me. Um, and X-Files is one of my top shows. But I also like a lot of funnier things. I've mentioned Psych. That's one of my favorite shows. Very comedy-heavy crime Psych drama. Or well, not crime comedy, I guess. Um, and uh, more recently, I... Uh, started watching My Hero Academia. It is the first modern anime I've ever watched. I've never really been in, a, into anime. Um, but My Hero is a very, very good show on its own merit, regardless of whether it's an anime or not, which it is. Um, and as I mentioned that, I go back to what you watched. Um, and that after I watched My Hero, uh, we decided... To watch Sailor Moon. Again. I love Sailor Moon. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I pretty great. It, Sailor Moon was always nostalgic to me, even though I had never really watched it on my own because you watched it and you loved it, and I remember it always being on. And I also think something I watched came on after it. I Could have been Dragon was. Ball Z, possibly. I don't know. I've never watched. Oh, Dragon that Ball was Z. that was me, too. I mean, <laughs> that you know what? That might have been before I, I, Sailor Moon. I shouldn't say never because, yes, I have watched episodes here and there. But actually, now that you mention it, it might have gone Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z during the Cartoon Network phase when it was Deke. Maybe. Right? That was the same. And then Animaniacs maybe came on after? Possibly. I can't remember. Um, But I did watch Dragon Ball Z before I watched something else, and I think Sailor Moon came on before that. Um, But recently, I'm talking like a year and a half ago, um, not even actually, we started watching Sailor Moon again. They redubbed it in 2017, so it's no longer uh, different from the um, subtitle version. Uh, the American or English dub is uh, now concurrent with the Japanese. Finally. Dub. 
Um, yeah. yeah. So I recommend it. Really not, they're, they're, they're no longer cousins. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are just, in fact, lesbians because as it turns out that well and, and yeah. also the um in the in the first season the one uh bad bad guy that they had that was a girl that was in a relationship oh yeah just oh, yeah. they're both men is, like is, yeah yep. deal with it america yep yeah yep Ugh. or um or uh sailor jupiter's very bisexual tendencies yeah. Yeah. i was like and the fact that she has a crush on Neptune, not Neptune, Uranus, right? or is it Uranus? Oh, everybody. Well, they all—that's the thing. Yeah. They all are yeah. like <laughs> are hot for Uranus as soon as she shows up, and they think that she's a dude. And at then first. when they find and out, the, and Jupiter's like, yeah. "Oh well," but everyone else is like, "Oh my god, it's a woman!" And Jupiter's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. "Like so, big deal, <laughs> still hot." <laughs> so yeah, I do recommend um, if you've never seen Sailor Moon, or if it's been a long time since you've seen Sailor Moon, the English. 2017 dub is all on Hulu. Um, so is the subs. Yeah. Um, you can. Watch I watched a lot of subs um, when I was in Washington in the military because mm-hmm. that's what they sold. So I got to see all the stuff that was out in Japan that wasn't necessarily out in the U.S. yet. So that that was cool. I got to see how it was intended rather than oh, they're cousins. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, do they think children are stupid? Well, now, thankfully, I actually don't remember that being a thing. Um, I don't think I got to any of the Outer Planet episodes um, when I was younger. I think it was only the, the yeah. Inner Planets, uh, which is, you know, Mars, Moon, Mercury, Jupiter, yeah. Venus. Um, so I, I do believe my first experience with Uranus, Neptune, Saturn, and Pluto are recently. Yeah. Um, even though I knew who they were, they were always a mysterious entity to me. Um, and I never experienced the, uh, very confusing cousins as yeah. a child. <laughs> and, and like those of us who actually knew the show were like, really? <laughs> I can't imagine trying to watch that and being told they're yeah. cousins. Like, it's like someone who well, never experienced that. Well, it wasn't just that. that it seems... It- yeah, Ridiculous. I mean, because it, it wasn't just that they tell I mean, you is. that they're cousins, it's that they deliberately cut out a bunch of stuff. There's like yeah. a, a whole butt ton of the content that they actually got, like, took out to, so that it was yeah. easier for you to accept. Like, th- there was just, yeah, they, they got rid of so much. There was just hours yeah. and hours of content across the board that was just not seen. Um Mm-hmm. Really sad. And they also downgraded the theme song. I was just talking to Andrew about this earlier. They like yeah. the Western, <laughs> the American um, English version of the theme song is so much like more simplified and like way less musically complex than the original theme song. And there's no reason for it. That's so silly. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Off of I also like tangent. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I also enjoy Sailor Moon, but... And, uh, and- <laughs> I'm, and I made her watch it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't opposed to watching it. I just, I think a lot of 90s kids who just weren't like avid anime watchers in general, a lot of us didn't realize that the version we were exposed to sucked for a reason, that that wasn't the Sailor Moon. Like, that's yeah, just... Yeah, you weren't against it. You just kind of wrote it Because I remembered it as for what it was shown to me. As a Californian mm-hmm. child in the 90s, I thought that's what it was, and it was only okay. Like, I, to, 
that version of it like didn't really grab me as much even though I thought I liked the concept of it but now watching the the real one like especially the first season of it it had a very sort of monster of the week like almost in like a scooby-doo sort of tone um but more supernatural like actually supernatural and not um old man smithers in a mask but you know it it actually was like kind of scary at times the the different villains that they would face and stuff so yeah yeah it's definitely much better than what they fed to us um on saturday morning cartoons over here in america but uh but in general um i mean i know i mentioned already i host the dark crystal podcast so of course my favorite show i i have to mention is dark crystal age of resistance on netflix (laughs) but um netflix (laughs) the main reason why we're upset with netflix in this house is because they (laughs) literally canceled dark crystal age of resistance the day after it won an emmy (laughs) so uh yeah fascinating right um what yeah it was was an emmy well it used to be like if you won awards you were guaranteed like at least a second season it was just so expensive, and that's really wow. the the main the main thing. Is it's expensive? It's a lot of work. Um, COVID happened, and they were like, "Well, we're not going to put a bunch of puppeteers in close quarters anymore. That's a thing of the past now." And except, you know, they could do it now, <laughs> right? We, we could do it now, but it's. I could I could be bitching about the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance being canceled until I'm blue in the face, and I do on my other podcast. So. Um, but yeah, so, so that show is fantastic (laughs) real life. Yes. Um, big deal for me. We like puppets in this house. Anything Jim Henson is definitely something that, um, I, I am gravitated toward. Uh, I was a big fan of like the, the storyteller, um, Fraggle Rock when I was little. Um, but also I'm, when it comes to TV, I am a big horror fan. I love horror anthologies I've mentioned before. Um, my all-time favorite TV show ever, ever is actually Tales from the Crypt. Um, I, that's just, that's my favorite. Everything about it. Um, I also am a big American Horror Story fan. Um, it's gotten a little wackadoo lately because, you know, it's much more focused on making all of the seasons interconnect and stuff. Um, and I, I kind of prefer the first few seasons when it was like each thing was more separate and you had to like look for the easter eggs that connected the different seasons and it wasn't quite as like on purpose but i still love the show i'm still going to keep watching it every time i don't care um creep show another one anthology horror uh, series my uh two favorite shows that are currently on the air right now are what we do in the shadows and yellow jackets um both of which are have spooky elements um i'm a you know i'm i'm a spooky hoe i i like things that are scary i'm a halloween enthusiast i love horror but um ooh, ash versus evil dead andrew likes that one too um i, I do um anything with bruce campbell yeah. i'm down to watch and uh, i also of course super love fantasy you know i, I was really into game of thrones before it got um, we all know how that ended and I'm really excited about the new Lord of the Rings show obviously at the time of us recording this it hasn't come out yet but it's about to and I'm really excited to start watching it because Andrew and I are both massive Lord of the Rings fans um, so yeah 
fantasy and horror is is sort of where where I'm coming from here. If there are puppets, be they friendly or scary, I'm on board. I, I do love a good puppet. I love a bad puppet. I just you know <laughs> stick a hand in its hole and make it come to life, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> I also I forgot to mention my other favorite. I'm going to say two favorites, actually, when you mentioned two sci-fi shows. Um, one of which is a much larger sort of like. The other one I did drop off eventually. Um, but Stargate is the one I ended up dropping off. The, the movie is phenomenal. Uh, the show is very good for a while. Um, but the one that I think was my, like, like so much of my sci-fi that I watched uh, growing up, Christina was because you watched it, and I ended up watching it, and then that I think it just kind of molded my <laughs> taste for fiction. It's all my fault. Um, I, even the fa- even my Star Wars love might have come for you. I don't. I physically do not remember seeing Star Wars for the first time. Oh yeah, me either. Which means I had to watch it when I was so yep. young. Which means someone else yep. was watching. Yeah, it was probably me. Was. And I remember you had the the start the I mean they they remade a different version of it now so it exists again, but there was a Star Wars deck building game. Yes, I had that. I, re- yeah, I I don't know why I remember that, but I remember that. Um, and then of course me and my best friend growing up, um, we I introduced him to Star Wars or maybe he already knew what it was I don't remember, um, but yeah we played with our action figures, well into our mm-hmm. teenage years. I am proud to admit yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but going back to what I was saying is the one that I started myself, no one showed it to me, um, and then I followed through, um, is Sliders. I love Sliders. Oh, um, yeah. Very, it's um, Parallel Dimension, uh, for those who don't know what Sliders is. It's very good. I when you first showed that. me Quantum I Leap, I remember be... thinking it kind of, oh, it does kind of remind me of Sliders. I was going to say, it has... A similar sort of scientific yeah. premise. I think the shows are very different, but the whole like going into yeah. a different place where you exist mm-hmm. as someone else sort of thing. Whereas, I mean, Quantum Leap, he has to exist as someone else. Uh, in Sliders, they are still themselves, but they have to figure out like what version of themselves are in this parallel universe. Uh, Sliders is parallel universes. Um, but I do. Uh, spoiler alert! And I, I always stop watching after John Rice Davies dies because. Well, the show just gets crap. Yeah. The the character <laughs> like before everyone season. freaks out. The actor is still yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. The professor um, doesn't make it through the show. So anyway, sliders, another one of my favorites. <laughs> so now, yeah. So now you know us a little bit. You know our thoughts. You know our opinions. We've talked a little bit about um, what we are expecting, what we might see. Um, I think that wraps up this episode. Yes. I think we're yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah. It's been like what two hours? Um, Jeez. <laughs> almost. Yeah. I remember a little of that is a a little bit of that is a break. So I think it's like an hour and a half. Uh, I think it's a good a good wrap for our introduction episode. I guess we'll uh, uh, we'll leap into another episode <laughs> some other time. See you on another time. Yes. <laughs> Sometime after the 19th. Okay, yeah. Paul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>